Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Justin, and thank you, music team. Good to minister with you. Let me see if I can provide an entrance into our text today, which is Mark 14, by telling you an incident of when I was in college. When I was in college, my grandfather died, and the family gathered for the funeral, and because I was um, a Bible major, a ministerial student, the the minister who was um, conducting the funeral asked me if I wanted to have part in the service. And I said, yes, I would. Because I felt that the Lord wanted me, gave me this opportunity to speak the gospel to my family. Only a few uh, knew the Lord Jesus Christ. So this was an opportunity to, to preach the gospel. It was going to be brief. I wasn't going to, you know, cram it down people's throats and bonk them over the head with a Bible, but I thought this is a great time to talk about the good news of Christ, the resurrection that he offers if we believe in him. Well, it came time for the funeral, and I stood up to speak, and it wasn't until I got in the the lectern that it suddenly struck me (laughs) These people don't believe what I'm about to say, most of them. And I got real nervous, and I I was afraid of, you know, repercussions and offending people, and, and I ended up editing my speech just on the spot, and I forget what I said, some watered-down version of uh, in the sweet by-and-by, and and, won't won't it be great, and and I sat down, and almost immediately, I felt bad. I felt like, well, is it too harsh to say that I had denied the Lord? Maybe that's too harsh, but Maybe it's fair to say I was ashamed of the gospel. I feared people more than I feared God. Now, our text today talks about this probably universal experience that disciples have, namely pressure, fear, denying watering down, turning your back, fleeing. And the question we want to ask is, how can we not do that? How can we be courageous? Once again, not rude and, you know, cramming things down. But how can we speak a joyful word as witnesses for our God? How can we, how can we be true to him when the pressure is on? So the the text comes to us, Mark uh, chapter 14. We see in our text faithless disciples, but thankfully also a faithful Savior, our Lord Jesus. All right, remember where we are in this story. Jesus and the 12 have returned to Jerusalem. They would go there every now and again. This is the last trip to Jerusalem. Danger, danger, danger intruder alert, danger, because 
the religious leaders were very, very jealous of Jesus, and they were very worried that he was upsetting their whole way of life and their whole thing that they had devoted themselves to, this keeping of the law, this, these rules about the law, these habits and traditions, and they were very scared. So the Bible says they were looking for a way to arrest him by stealth and kill him. Chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. So, Jesus and the 12 are staying just a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem. They're staying in this little town called Bethany. That's, that's where they would stay uh, when they were in the, in this, in the environment. And uh, remember the last text we heard, there's a dinner and a woman came to Jesus and actually anointed him with very costly um, ointment, uh, perfume. It was in an alabaster box. She broke it. Once you break it, you know, that's it. It's done. She anointed him and some of the disciples were like, yeah, this is terrible. That, that was so expensive. We could have sold that ointment and given the money to the poor. And Jesus said, hey, no, 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 no. This is a beautiful thing that she's done. She's actually anointing me for my burial, which will happen very soon. And Judas is sitting there, along with the others, and Judas thinks, my own words, my own paraphrase, he's thinking, well, that is enough. I have had it. I've waited him for him to be a real Messiah, and all he does is talk about dying. And he says, we have to die too. That's it, I'm done, that's enough. Verses 10 through 12 says, he was looking for an opportunity to betray him to the chief priests and the scribes and the others. Okay. Here comes the opportunity. Verses 12 and following, Natalie will read for us. Okay, I'm going to be reading through um, the ESV version, verses 12 through 16. And on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to, him, said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. First day of the Passover. It is probably Thursday afternoon, coming up on the Sabbath. Jewish days began at sundown, so it's sundown on Thursday going into Friday. The Sabbath and Passover would begin, and Thursday was the day to make preparations for the upcoming uh, Passover meal. 
Specifically, you had to get a lamb and sacrifice the lamb and roast the lamb and make the preparations. The law specified that you had to celebrate Passover within the, the boundaries of Jerusalem. So there are tons of visitors, lots of pilgrims, very crowded. Like, where are they going to get a place? The law also said you had to celebrate the Passover with your family, but a rabbi and his disciples constituted a family, or they, they fell under the definition of family. And so he says, we will eat this meal together. He apparently has arranged a sign. He's apparently... Uh, made provisions ahead of time. He says, go into the city, you will see a man carrying a pitcher. That doesn't sound strange to us. It sounded strange to them because women carried pitchers of water. If men ever carried water, it would be in a, in a skin, an animal skin. I'm not sure why the difference, you know, cultures have their own differences, but this is kind of strange. You're going to see a man carrying a pitcher of water. Really? Uh-huh. Follow him and he will show you the upper room. This is the traditional site, the upper room of the Last Supper. Don't know if it's the actual upper room, but probably something like this, a large room where they made provisions. And the story continues. Verses 17 through 26. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him, one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes at his as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. For special meals, for feasts, the Jews would eat while reclining in the Roman fashion, Roman banquet style. Da Vinci's uh, picture of the Last Supper uh, is a masterpiece, but not historically accurate, where they're seated uh, preparing for Thanksgiving dinner. Instead, they would be gathered around a low table in a horseshoe or a U-shaped, they would generally lean uh, this way on their left elbow, and then they could reach into the middle uh, or to the end of their table for uh, the meal. And Jesus here is celebrating the Passover, but he is refashioning the Passover 
so that it becomes a new covenant. The old covenant, God provided for Israel, God saved Israel, the angel of death passed over when they were in Egypt, the, struck down all the Egyptians, but passed over the Israelites, and they've been celebrating this for more than a thousand years now. And here Jesus says, all right, let me, let's go a little deeper. Let me explain to you what that was foreshadowing. I am the lamb. My blood will be poured out, not an animal's blood. This is a new covenant I'm making with you. But there's also prophecies of betrayal. The very sad, very dark uh, uh, atmosphere and mood. One of you, this night, will betray me. The disciples say, you've got to be kidding. Well, it's not me. It's, it's not I, is it? And he says, well, it's one of the 12. I'm not sure why he's not more explicit. Peter and the others say, well, no way, man, no way. Look, I would die with you. Look, I don't know about these yahoos over here, but I will never forsake you. Well, uh, we shall see. Forty-two. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little, little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came them and found them sleeping. For their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us get going. My betrayer is at hand. Here is the traditional site of the Garden of Gethsemane. In Jesus' day, it would not have been so uh, park-like with nice trails and groomed uh, pathways. It was more like an orchard. It was an olive orchard. It still is an olive orchard. Gethsemane means olive press, and that's where Jesus prayed. Normally, the Jews would pray standing with hands lifted, but Jesus is on the ground, on his face. And what is he praying? 
take it away. The book of Hebrews, reflecting on this, says he was despising the shame in just a few hours. But there's a deeper prayer. There's a deeper uh, cry of his heart. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. This is our faithful Savior. And then the last part of the story. Uh, Verses 43 through 50. And immediately, while he was speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs, from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. So we have a story of faithlessness that, of course, is the disciples. We have a story of faithfulness that, of course, is our Lord Jesus Christ. And the question we're asking is how can we be less like the disciples? You might say, how can we be less like ourselves? Remember my opening story. How can we remain true? Faithful, steady, allegiance when the pressure is on. To answer that question, let's look at the conditions that led to the disciples fleeing. And then we'll look at our Lord Jesus and how he remained firm. But first of all, the disciples, if you're taking notes, I have two conditions. And the first one is quite simply self-confidence. Chapter 14, verses 29 to 31, they're very self-confident. This is when they're back in the upper room. And 29 says, uh, even though all these people fall away, this is Peter talking, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same thing. Boy, it wasn't too long, an hour or two, three hours, I don't know, until their self-confidence was shot like a like a bubble evaporating in the sun. And so the first condition that leads to to us being, you know, turning away from Christ and uh, being unfaithful is too much confidence, too much strength, uh, 
supposed strength in ourselves. Now, this can be tricky because American culture really promotes self-confidence. I mean, think of some of the myths of our culture. Have you heard of the Horatio Alger stories? They were super popular back in the early 1900s. This guy named Horatio Alger wrote these stories. And all the stories are about basically the same thing. Some low person, some street kid, some urchin uh, finds success and pulls himself up by his own bootstraps and woohoo, he becomes a, a confident success. And so for elements in American culture, uh, namely, if you got the right gender, you're male, and if you got the right ethnicity and race, namely if you're Caucasian, so that's part of our, our uh, belief structure. So America is a very confident, optimistic, progressive, forward-looking compared to other cultures in the world. And so there's a lot of value in that, but I'm just cautioning us I don't know how much it value it has in the spiritual world. I can resist the devil. I am strong. I'm a disciple. I've walked with you for three years. And Jesus said, well, before this night is out, you're going to learn another lesson. So let us remember that Satan is tricky and experienced, and powerful, and much smarter than we are. And so if we try to have victory in our own strength, my own intelligence, my own self-discipline, my own this, that, careful. It didn't work for the disciples, and I think this is a paradigm for us, self-confidence. A second condition that led to their running away was that they were asleep. They were not watchful. Verses 32 to 42. Jesus comes three times and they are sleeping. He has commanded them, stay awake, be watchful, pray, but they keep sleeping. And let's not be too hard on them. Luke chapter 22 says they were exhausted from sorrow. Nevertheless, they were asleep. In my own case, with my opening story about, you know, the funeral when I was in college, I think that, as I look back on that now, I think that I was not watchful and I I didn't have my eyes up. I was not uh, uh, careful. In a sense, I was asleep. What do I mean? It never crossed my mind that there would be opposition to my message. I don't remember praying ahead of time. I don't remember praying in the moment. I I didn't uh, enlist other people to pray for me. I I, I went in my own strength. Here we go, preach the gospel. And I faded away, drifted away. Some of you may travel for business. Stay awake. It's tough when you're out on the road. You're, you're alone, you know, no accountability. You're bored. Open your eyes. This is when Satan comes. Be watchful, be prayerful. 
Some of you may be in a study group at school. You get together and you study for an exam coming up. And then after the exam, the pressure is off and your, your little group wants to go out and celebrate. That's great. Cool. That's great. Just be careful. Just be careful. Stay awake. I don't know if there's going to be alcohol flowing at your little celebration. Just heads up. Perhaps you play uh, basketball, and perhaps your coach has said to you when you're dribbling, you've got to have your head up. Beginning basketball players dribble like this, because, you know, you've got to watch what you're doing. But you've you got to get to the point where that's natural. So you've got to have your eyes up. Is it the same in soccer? I don't play soccer. You've got to have your head up, right? Heads up. Stay awake. Discern what's going on. Discern the times. Discern your own uh, uh, inclinations, where you're tempted. Stay awake. But the disciples were not awake. And that led to their denying Jesus. The result is betrayal. Have you noticed, did you notice in the reading this word betrayal, this concept of betrayal just keeps coming up? Narrative artists, storytellers, show us the meaning of the story through repetition. It just keeps coming up. Did you notice verse 10, the betrayer? Verse 11, one of you will betray me. Verse 18, betrayal. Verse 21, betray. Verse 41, betrayal. Verse 42, betray. Verse 44, you will betray me. In addition, we have words like fall away. Verse 27, you will all fall away. Verse 29, you will all fall away. In addition, we have the word deny. Verse 30 and verse 31. This is what the story is about. And I'm pointing out to us the conditions that lead to running away, self-confidence, being asleep. All right, so the disciples were uh, set up for failure, and these conditions led to faithlessness. Okay, you ready for some good news? Enough talking about ourselves. <laughs> Let's talk about Jesus for a little bit because he was so faithful. And his temptation was a lot harder and deeper and, than theirs. But this is our Savior. He came to do the Father's will and nothing, nothing would deter him. Doesn't mean he was happy about it. He sweat great drops of sweat like blood. He's on his face there in the garden. Nobody's with him. His, his disciples are sleeping. No one's, there's no support. Not my will, but yours be done. All right, so let's ask, how did he do it? What can we learn from the example of our Lord? First, um, first uh, thing that helped him remained faithful was he trusted in God's sovereignty. It was like, this is tough, God's will is hard, I know what's ahead of me. Hebrews, despising the shame. But it is God's will. And I have come to do your will. 
And I don't know the ins and outs and everything, but I trust you that you will bring good out of this fiery trial. And so we trust in God's sovereignty. Another thing the story keeps emphasizing, uh, emphasizing is according to the scripture. See, all this, this was all planned thousands or a thousand years before. They would betray him. They would flee according to the scripture. He would be turned over to the chief priests and the scribes. They would mock him and flog him according to the scripture. And so Jesus had this sense of calling and this, uh, this submission and allegiance to the sovereign will of God. Once again, he didn't want the, the pain and the humiliation and all of that, but he realized it was God's plan. It was the only way for you and me to be redeemed, for us to come back into a close friendship relationship, father-child relationship, with his father, Abba, father. And so he said, my soul is sorrowful even unto death. Please remove this cup from me. But what comes next? Nevertheless, I have a deeper prayer request. May your will be done. So we trust him. We trust in his plan. And that helps us persevere. The second thing that Jesus did was he stayed awake, the opposite of the, the disciples. We need this kind of heads up, like you're dribbling the basketball. He was aware, because in, in trials, in temptation, we need emotional and spiritual support. We need friends. We need encouraging words. Jesus had none of that, and, he's, and he still persevered and was faithful. But you and I need to stay awake and have others Watch with us, emotional, spiritual, prayer, support, someone who will speak the truth in love to us. And then closely connected to his staying awake was the fact that he was praying. You and I need to pray. What did Jesus say? Stay awake, be watchful, and pray so that, so that, purpose, in order that, pray so that you will not enter into temptation. So, How's your prayer life? When you're going out with your study group, which is a good thing, pray. Heads up. When you're booking your flight for that business trip coming up, pray. Realize that your own inclinations, your own situation, your own uh, personality. Satan knows you better than you do, probably. Pray. Heads up. Stay awake. For my trial, uh, the, the funeral thing when I was in college, how could I, what would this have looked like for me? Well, I think one thing was I would have prayed. I don't remember praying. I think in other things, I would have asked other people to pray for me. I don't remember asking anyone. I would have had some accountability and some encouragement and some spiritual and emotional support. But these are some ways that we can remain faithful uh, just as Jesus was faithful. 
If you're convinced that you're doing the will of God, you're in his sovereign plan. If you've counted the cost and you are determined to go through in following him, then keep your eyes open and pray. And then keep calm and carry on. Trust in him. Trust in him for the results. You just be faithful to the will of God. All right, so we've seen the faithlessness of the disciples. They uh, fled, and we, in our own strength, tend to flee. We tend to protect our own skin. But he is faithful, and that's what Mark is showing us, even when the pressure was on and he contemplated the cross. Aren't you glad that your salvation depends on him and not on yourself. He said, Lord, your will be done. And he went to the cross and he bore our sins in his body. He poured out his blood. His body was broken because he was faithful to the will of God. And here we sit today, the recipients of that grace and that faithfulness. May the Lord help you and help me be less like the disciples and more like our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you'll help us in that great spiritual task. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. It is hard, but by your grace, we can persevere just as our Lord Jesus did because of his power and the spirit that lives within us. Help us, Lord. In his name we pray, amen.